Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What is up? It's the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus here. Glad to have you along on this Monday. Hope you're having a great start to the week. We got a good show ahead for you today. Chris Fisher, the television voice of the Oklahoma City Thunder, will be joining us. We'll preview tomorrow night's matchup between the Thunder and the Clippers. And also, of course, since we have Chris on, we have to talk about the three former Clippers. Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, and of course, Shea Gilgis. Alexander, our baby, SGA is all grown up. He's been so good with OKC. We'll talk to Chris about SGA's development and, of course, talk about CP's health and how Danilo's fitting in with the Thunder. Before we get to Chris, though, I got to remind you, this podcast, like all of our shows, is brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Check out the website at hawaiianisles.com on Amazon by searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company or on Twitter at Hi Kona Coffee. And, of course... You know what makes betting on game, or you know what makes games more fun? How about betting on games? And you know where you can do that? MyBookie.ag, our online betting partner here at Hoopball. Go sign up for a new account. Use the promo code today. That is the word today, whether you want to bet on baseball, spring training, regular season, XFL, NBA, college basketball. Maybe you want to play some games on MyBookie. Go ahead. MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. Head there again. That's MyBookie.ag, and the promo code is the word today. A very interesting journey as he has gone from being a student at USC with me and broadcasting games for KSCR to going and he was the voice of the, of the women's basketball side at USC, then the men's basketball side, and now the TV voice of the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's been a great journey for him. We'll talk to him about it. Without further ado, let's go ahead. Let's bring in our guest. His name is Chris Fisher. Well, we've had this one in the works for a while, and uh, it's someone that I have known for a long time, and his rise in the NBA ranks now has just been incredible. Started doing basketball with me on KSCR at USC, went and did women's basketball at USC, then moved into that men's basketball spot as he took over for Rory Marcus. And then now he is the TV voice of the Oklahoma City Thunder, doing great things, representing USC well. Chris Fisher, welcome to the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Thanks a lot, my man. It's always good to talk to you. Always good to go back to our roots, right? I guess that, I guess we got to ask. Are our Trojans going to get in the tournament this year or what? You know what? uh, Yeah, it's disappointing. You tell me, man. I mean, you know this team a little bit better than I do. You were around Enfield uh, for a long time now, and you know that team well. And, uh, of course, we got to talk about USC briefly. It's another year in which they have high expectations, another year in which they're ranked in the top 25 coming in. They have a good recruiting class, and it seems like there's uh, some uncertainty around this program now. Well, there's this season in particular, it just seems like it's coming down to the wire again, a lot like 2018. And that was a year in which USC did not make the tournament. One of the biggest snubs of all time. Uh, one of the highest RPI teams never to make it. But they've got some opportunities 
to pick up some really big wins. They got that win against Arizona and Arizona State here down the stretch. So I think they're going to make – they got UCLA next Saturday and then the Pac-12 tournament. The difference between this year and 2018 is they actually have an opportunity to get really good wins because the conference is better. So uh, they'll have that game at home. And if they beat UCLA on Saturday, it should punch USC's ticket because they I think they've done enough work. Yeah, I mean – And that's always kind of like the barometer. If USC gets into the tournament – it's pretty much a successful year. Yeah, now but, now we're getting to the point though where you got ex- high expectations for the program. I mean, the football team's not doing very well. Clay Helton's under fire, and poor guy is going to go into the season immediately on the hot seat. And uh, basketball, Andy Enfield has a chance to uh, put USC basketball on the map. I mean, I, it's it's been a while since I've seen this team do much. I mean, I was in college, and I think you. I'm not sure if you were there during that run. Were you there during the uh, Texas UNC seasons? That was 2007, yeah. right at the tail end, yeah. right at the very, very end of my time there. Yeah. So uh, that was, yeah, that was kind of like my final summer. And I think that was right when you were there and I actually knocked off Kevin Durant. Yeah, exactly. That was the uh, Daniel Hackett goes on Kevin Durant, got a small guy on him and uh, look to see what happens. Kevin Durant, former uh, Thunder player there. So there you go. Thunder player. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but uh yeah, the, the ability to follow college is not nearly uh, what it was. Well, I imagine. I mean, you're, you're a busy man nowadays. You're doing a bunch on the TV side for the Thunder. I mean, you're taking care of home, away. You're doing everything. It's a, it's a big task now, with the uh, college basketball versus NBA. Before we get into the actual Clippers, Thunder stuff, because we're going to preview tomorrow's game, talk about SGA, Gallo, CP3, of course, the three former Clippers that are now on your squad What's it been like for you, man? I mean, this is a, this is definitely a jump from going to the NBA ranks from the college side. Yeah, it was a, a really big step last year. And it, it you know, it was something that you, you always kind of hope for. You always hope for that opportunity. And I was just really fortunate that um, the Thunder took a chance on me, much like USC took a chance on me when I was when I was really young and, and sort of convinced them to to hire me back when I was 25, eight years ago. And, um, you know, making that step to the NBA is, is always something that you, you hope that you have the opportunity to kind of pursue. And I was just very, very fortunate that the Thunder uh, gave me a chance and gave me an opportunity to, to represent the organization. And that's something that, uh, you know, you don't take lightly and there's only so many of them. So there's a, a ton of appreciation that goes into it, but I, I will say this. It is a, a, a really big jump in terms of uh, the schedule and the, the demand, and none of us would be working in sports if we didn't love it. You know, it's, it's kind of that love of a grind because there, there's 82 games in a really condensed amount of time, and that's not really something that you can prepare for, but uh, being at that level on a nightly basis is, is really something that is fun and um, you know, you, you can't really replicate it in any, any way. So I'm really thankful for, for the Thunder for, for giving me a chance. And I'm now in my second year and, um, you know, this is a, a tremendous organization to work for. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, a you know, more of a, a family oriented environment and they've really welcomed me with open arms. So, uh, I, I just couldn't be more thankful. Yeah, that's awesome. And what people may not know is that you actually got a bunch of TV reps, doing Fox Sports 1 and Pac-12 Network games as well when you were uh, at USC broadcasting on the men's basketball side. So you uh, you got those TV reps there. You took that radio uh, talent that you developed at USC 
and you parlayed it into this gig now with the Thunder. And what a year it's been, man, for uh, for you, for your team. It's a year in which the Thunder didn't have very high expectations. There was talk before the season that Chris Paul might go to Miami. There was talk that Steven Adams would probably get trade, traded before the deadline. And now the deadline has passed. Gallinari is not with the Heat. Gallo is with the Thunder. The Adams uh, train never left the station. Chris Paul has been healthy. SGA has taken a leap forward. I mean, this has been an unbelievable year that's far surpassed, I'm assuming, anybody's expectations. Yeah, no, I, I think you kind of touched on it really well there. And if you look at the landscape of the NBA, Brandon, if you had to pinpoint the two biggest surprises, the, the Thunder are either one or two with probably Memphis. Mm-hmm. And if Memphis can hold on to that eight seed, which is a big question mark, that the, those two teams, those two seasons would probably be the biggest surprises. Nobody expected Memphis to make the playoffs with John Morant. Uh, Taylor Jenkins has done a tremendous job there in bringing those those young players together and competing at a high level. And for us, everybody pretty much wrote the season off because of the departures, and everybody forgot about the additions. <laughs> You get rid of Chris Paul, or excuse me, you get rid of Russell Westbrook, you get rid of Paul George, and you get back some talent in return, and people just sort of wrote that talent off. And as uh, you know, someone who follows the Clippers, you know pretty well that Chris Paul is still one of the best point guards in the NBA. Che Gildas Alexander had a fantastic rookie season last year uh, with the Clippers, so much so that Doc Rivers just couldn't keep him off the floor. And then Danilo Gallinari, who had one of his best professional seasons because he was healthy last year also with L.A., that was talent that I think that probably the Thunder front office realized it was getting, but nobody wanted to pay attention to it. So you had all these pieces of competitors and guys who had had success in their careers, and then you complement them with Dennis Schroeder and Steven Adams, some guys that are already with the Thunder, and all of a sudden you've got talent it was just a matter of can they actually blend all of these ingredients together can these guys find a way to play they all had individual skill sets they all had things that they brought to the table but how would they be able to incorporate them and to all of their credit to chris paul to dennis schroeder to shay gildas alexander to gallinari to billy donovan these guys have found a way to play connected basketball, to play unselfish basketball. Um, they they got together with Billy at the beginning of the season and said, how can we maximize our skill set? And it took a little bit of time. I mean, they got off to a really slow start in the beginning of the season. We're under 500 in December, 11 and 13 at one point, had lost the first six games of the year on the road. And people were thinking, all right, that's, that's the Thunder season we were expecting. But Something clicked about midway through December and they finally got it and they they really started to play together. And a lot of it is is Chris Paul, his leadership and what he's done in empowering the roster from top to bottom. So I know I'm going this is a long winded answer, but um, it's it's just been uh, an incredible couple of months that I think is really surprised a lot of people. And those guys deserve a lot of credit because they're the ones that have made it happen. How much do you think it was about these guys having a little uncertainty to start the season? There was uncertainty about whether Chris Paul would stay or whether he would get traded. Like I said, Steven Adams 
maybe the role of SGA, considering that he was a point guard and Chris Paul is a point guard and how those two are going to work together. How much of that do you think it was with those guys all figuring out, okay, once it got to December, once it gets to January, we're all here. Let's figure this out and let's go win basketball games. I think that they wanted to go and win games right away. Mm-hmm. They, they wanted to come out of the gate and, and compete. And because even the games that they lost, me, Mark, in, in November and December, they were close. I don't know if you remember that Clippers game. Yeah. Uh, in November, that PG shot, I think it was the game winner toward the end. That was a long time ago, but that was very emblematic of the type of games that they were playing. Even before that, the day before in the back-to-back with the Lakers, they came down to the wire with LeBron. And so there were these glimpses of, boy, these guys, they're right in these games against these really good teams. At some point, they're going to have to figure it out. And if you go back and you look at any kind of, any kind of basketball team in the NBA, even probably with the Clippers this year, you can't just put new pieces out on the floor – and expect it to just work right. like a well-oiled machine. Like, like even LeBron's super teams or uh, when Kevin Durant joined the Warriors, it, Steve Kerr said it took a couple of months. Like basketball requires chemistry. It just does. And these guys just needed to play together. That was the one thing that Billy Donovan talked about so much in the beginning of the season was they just need to play. They need to get out on the court, figure out each other's tendencies, sharing the basketball, and the only way that was going to happen is through games. And so it was a slow start at the beginning of the season. But I think that deep down, they all expected to compete right away. They did not expect to just dismantle the squad. And yeah. I think that that showed in how they played. Yeah, no doubt. And now they're clearly all there and they're competing. And I want to go and touch on each of these guys that were once Clippers and how they're fitting in with the team um, let's start with SGA because it seems like he is the guy that Clippers fans really fell in love with. And when he was drafted by the Clippers, there was a lot of talk about him eventually being that all NBA type guard. Doc Rivers, who is, does not play young guys very often, really, like you said, he fell in love with SGA and couldn't keep him off the floor. Then he goes and he's the centerpiece of this PG which is basically PG and Kawhi because those two came together for the Gallo, SGA, the Loda picks. We'll talk about that actual trade in a little bit. But SGA and his development, it seems like it's been something that I don't think even Thunder people expected to happen this rapidly. Uh, Is there a surprise on the Thunder side at how good SGA is already? You know what, Brent? I wanted to ask you guys this. Like, as, as people that follow the Clippers and Clippers fans, what's their reaction to seeing the season that SGA is having and the season that Gallinari is having? Love it. Is there is there disappointment? Are they like, oh, man, we let one go? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's something that I wish I, I could probably get a better pulse on, but you'd be the person to ask, and I'll, I'll answer your question in a second. But yeah. initially, what is what, what do Clippers fans think? It's interesting because I couldn't be happier for SGA and Gallo. Loved both of them on the Clippers. I, I would never root for them to fail when they left the team. It was not their choice to be involved in that deal. But I also think from the other side, when you get a chance to pair Kawhi Leonard and Paul George together, you absolutely need to take it. And I understand the hindsight now of looking at how good SGA is and looking at how PG has not been able to stay healthy this entire season. But that being said... The Clippers have not lost a game this season when their entire team has been healthy. So that is something that needs to be said. 
And they're a very good team when Kawhi and PG are on the floor. Now the question is, can PG stay on the floor for the rest of the season? That's the hope. But I'm not sure you win the title with SGA, Gallo, and Kawhi. And frankly, I don't know if you get Kawhi in the first place if you don't have PG. So it's something that kind of needed to be done. It was a sacrificial lamb of sorts. Um, But I'm happy to see SGA and Gallo doing well. Do I wish that Gallo and SGA were still on the Clippers? Uh, SGA especially, yes. But if the Clippers win a title, I I don't care. I mean, it it really, at this point, for Clippers fans and anybody that follows the team, it's all about winning the title. Well, I go back to something that was really interesting. I remember preparing for that game against the Clippers and, and hearing Doc Rivers kind of reflect on SGA's first year with with LA and you know he like you said he didn't want to keep a young player on the floor you kind of have to earn your way in but he was so good that Doc really couldn't keep him off the floor and he brought up a good story about you know SGA earning the respect of some of the veterans early on and he said it didn't happen because he was taking him out to dinner or you know being the funniest guy in the room, he was he was earning the respect of the veterans because he was beating them up in practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was showing his skill, and it caught the attention of the of some of the people that have been around the league. And I think that probably the biggest difference between last year to this year for SGA has just been the fact that, and this is what the, the coaches have told me, is he's gotten opportunity. He's probably gotten a little more opportunity, and and being still such a young player 21 years old there's still so much room for him to grow and the coaches have challenged him to do that this year not just from scoring but to rebounding to being a a better defender to trying to create uh even though you don't have the ball in your hands and even if you do have the ball in your hands so they have really uh, tried to challenge him and to to get all the areas of his game to grow and then you put him next to Chris Paul, who's one of the best point guards of all time, future Hall of Famer, 10-time All-Star, and there's nobody better to, to sort of mentor him on the, on the spot, right? So uh, it has been just a, a tremendous year of development for SGA. It's been a tremendous year of opportunity for him. And I don't think that we have yet to see the ceiling for where his game can go because – uh, he's taken such a significant step between year one and year two. And that, that's really what you want to see. You want to see that kind of growth from a young player because he just looks so comfortable out there sometimes. And he's just going to continue to to elevate his game. And it's, it's really been fun to watch. That was my next question. How good can SGA be? Because I'm assuming that Oklahoma City knew they were getting a guy that it was going to be very good. I don't think they realized how good he could be this quickly. Now I'm assuming that the expectations are raised even higher for where this guy could eventually end up. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know how to kind of put your finger on it. You know, how good can he go? I know that there are, there are ways to grow his game, mm-hmm. and he he realizes and he says it in his interviews, like, look, I want to be, I want to be a great two-way player. That is the barometer for some of the greats that this league has seen. So he's sort of verbalized it himself and being a two-way player, getting to the free throw line, being able to play off the ball, being able to play with the ball, rebounding the basketball, 
we've seen him have some incredible blocks this year. He's he's one of the best finishers at the rim probably in the NBA. Uh, he consistently shoots it well from three. Probably not his primary element of his game, but certainly serviceable. So uh, I, I don't know what the ceiling is. And we've seen him in the, the you know the Rising Stars game a couple of years in a row. But, I mean, he's averaging over 19 points per game, Mark. I mean, he is an integral part of this Thunder team. Uh, it's just been so reliable, so darn reliable. So, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be something that we're just going to have to watch and, and see develop. Yeah, he's a great rebounder, too. For, for a guard, he uses his length so well. And he can help on the defensive end, whether it's getting steals and blocks and just being able to switch on to different players because of his length. And it just gives Billy Donovan such an asset, both on the offensive and defensive end. And do you have any stories about CP and Shea, about how they got together maybe earlier on the season and how CP3 has maybe mentored SGA in a way? Because I feel like being under Chris Paul's wings is somewhere you want to be if you're SGA. And I'm assuming that Chris Paul has been a big brother of sorts to SGA to help him to get to this level. He's been incredible. And I go back to, to training camp. I mean, these, these two were, were inseparable. And I, it would go to their shooting competitions. And, uh, you know, Chris Paul would really challenge SGA. And, you know, they'd sort of bark back and forth in the media, you know, friendly about who, who won that day's shooting competition in practice. And you could just kind of tell that they immediately took to one another and, you know, to your point, who would you rather who would you rather be linking up with in this league than than really one of the better point guards that's ever played in Chris Paul, who is just such an extension of of a coach? I mean, it is it, I, I I'm telling you, Brandon, seeing him orchestrate a game on a nightly basis and how much control he has and what he sees out there and how he processes information and how he is able to, to gather a pulse of a game. It is unbelievable. It yeah. really is something that I have come to appreciate and admire because it is it is remarkable how much he is able to to sort of gather, process, and affect. If that makes sense. Yeah, there's a reason why he was called Point God by uh, by Brian Seaman. I mean, he is just an absolute wizard. I mean, the, the guy really? really knows how to run a show, and there's nobody other than probably a handful of other guys that you would rather have the ball in their hands in the final three or four minutes of a ball game and know that they're going to get to their spot. And for Chris Paul, whether it's finding somebody else or getting that elbow jumper, I mean, there there's not many other guys better than him. And it's amazing how he continues to do it at an advanced age too because the one knock on Chris has been his ability to stay healthy. And I don't know what you guys are doing over there, but he hasn't needed to sit in back-to-backs while Gallo has time and time again here over the last couple of uh, months, which frankly is smart. But I don't know what he's doing health-wise, Chris. Can you tell me? Because there's got to be something different than the past several years, because I'm sure that's something that's been mentioned. All I know is he went plant-based. Really? (laughs) He went plant-based before the season. It was something that uh, he was really open about, and it's something that he felt like was going to help him throughout the season. And um, as far as I know, he stuck to it. So diet might be part of it, but you're right. I mean, he's been, he's been reliable. He's been out there. He missed, uh, missed one game so far this year. 
um, when when Kobe died and need, need a little extra time. So, uh, you know, he leads the league in, in clutch points this year, which is really remarkable. I, I bet if you were to ask most people who's leading the league in clutch points, you know, they probably think LeBron or, um, you know, Kemba Walker or somebody of that nature, but James Harden maybe, but no, it's, it's Chris Paul by far in the league in clutch points. Why isn't he sitting out back-to-backs? What's the Thunder reasoning versus Gallo, who is sitting in back-to-backs? I mean, he's he's going out there competing mm-hmm. every single night. And, uh, you know, he feels good. He feels healthy. And when we played the other night again in Milwaukee, which was our third game in four nights, fifth game in, in eight nights. And so as long as he's, uh, as long as he's out there gonna, they're feeling good, they're going to put him out there. Now, with Gallo, he's a guy that I think is one of the more underrated players in the NBA. I don't think people realize how good he is and his ability to score, rebound, he shoots threes. There's something about Gallo that I don't think it's enough appreciation, and maybe it's because of going back to his Knicks days and then to Denver and everyone trying to really figure out what type of player he is, but... Am I correct in saying that he really is underrated because he means a lot to your Thunder team? You know, his net rating, I should say the Thunder's offensive rating when he's on the floor is is pretty significant. But he, you know, he is such a matchup problem for people because of just his skill set and his ability to shoot the basketball. And, you know, he's not the most athletic guy in the world. Although this year all of a sudden he's he's like turned into Vince Carter in his heyday. I mean, he, he had a reverse dunk off the dribble the other day against San Antonio that really caught everybody's eye. And I was like, oh, my goodness, you know, Danilo Gallinari getting above the rim. And he's had a couple. He had an alley-oop in the game against Sacramento because when he gets into the post and he's on the block, I'm expecting him to, you know, have a, either a spin and a fadeaway or, you know, pass out of that. But we've seen him spin toward the rim and then go up for a slam. So – um, you know, he's just got such a, a unique skill set for a guy uh, that when he's healthy, he is tremendous. And I think that that was the really the biggest reason why he had such a breakout year. I guess you could call it a breakout year last year when he was av- averaging over 19 points per game. He, he was healthy, and I think that he's carried that into this year. And he's playing with confidence, and he continues to uh, be sort of that position where teams have a hard time defending it that that stretch four that can go out and play inside and outside and that's what he's been for us how has he fit in with cp3 and sga because you have two guards that both can score the basketball along with gallo who can score the basketball it seems like they're fitting pretty seamlessly what's that been like been fantastic i mean these guys have assimilated as the season has gone on and there is cohesion. You know, it was kind of interesting because I remember preparing for the game against Boston a couple of weeks ago, maybe not that long ago. And just listening to what Brad Stevens had to say about the thunder. And the, he said, it's, it's one of my favorite teams to watch because of the connectivity. And they, they play a really unselfish brand of basketball. And so it, it just hasn't mattered who's been out there. I mean, Gallinari certainly played his part, but everybody that's been out there has played within this sort of unselfish system and found ways to contribute, whether it's Gallinari, whether it's CP, whether it's SGA, whether it's Dennis, whether it's Steven. Uh, they just continue to have all these games where you've got players in double digits. 
And, uh, and Gallinari has been one of those players that is just, he's really fit in and meshed well with, with the, particularly with the point guards. So now you look at this Thunder team and you've got Chris Paul, you have SGA, you have Gallo, you have Schroeder, you have Adams, you have Noel. There's got to be some people there that are thinking this team could cause an upset or two possibly in the playoffs. And I don't think people thought that before, but it seems like that's possible. What's the pulse over at OKC in terms of a possible upset in the first round? Because it's very possible we see Clippers Thunder in the first round. It, it's yeah, un- like, I don't know if it'll like actually happen. From my mentality, I mean, I, there's still 22 games left. I mean, yeah, getting through the sort of the back stretch here. But I, I will say this: I was in LA over the All Star break. It was kind of interesting, and just naturally, you tune into to local radio, and, and a lot of people were already kind of talking about playoff preferences I guess you could say mm-hmm. and playoff positioning and and along those lines uh, there was a pretty heavy preference to avoid Oklahoma City let's put it that way um, they're they're gonna present some problems there there's no doubt about it and uh, wherever Oklahoma City finishes I mean this is this is gonna be a really fun final stretch of the season to, to kind of monitor positioning wise because you know, as you know, it always it, it comes down to matchups, and various teams have various skill sets. And uh, th- this is a Thunder team that has been in some really uh, heavy duty fights as the season has gone on, with some tremendous comebacks. I mean, twenty six point comeback earlier this year against Chicago, uh, eighteen point comeback against the, the Clippers earlier this year in that game in Oklahoma City, and there's. <laughs> There, there's probably going to be a disappointed team in the first round that ends up having to face the, the Thunder just because of of just how much this team likes to compete on a nightly basis. Yeah, if you look right now, the Jazz are nine games back of the Lakers in that five spot. The Thunder, nine and a half. The Mavericks, ten. So those three teams really jockeying right now for five, six, and seven. Who knows? You can even look above that, and the Rockets are seven games back, and then the Clippers and Nuggets are both five and a half games back. So we really have no idea where anyone's going to end up. And it does bring up the question, though, Chris, with the Thunder pretty much locked in a playoff spot. I mean, they are eight games up on Memphis for that eight spot. You go all the way back to that. You go in the nine spot, and they're 11 games up. Do you think that maybe you rest a guy like CP3 or Gallo even more down the stretch to make sure that they're healthy come playoff time? I mean, I, I don't know. That's that's a, a Billy Donovan question. Yeah. Um, Wasn't sure if there was even any talk about it, maybe, with, with the media and yeah, people talking. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, like I said, I mean, it, it, there really hasn't been much playoff talk. Um, it's more about sort of refining this squad to, to finish out the season, and, and wherever you land, you land. You, you try to rack up as many wins as possible. I mean, it's just – we got a pretty road-heavy March coming up, and that's kind of the focus, I, at least from from what I've heard. I mean, there hasn't been any 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 real playoff conversation or playoff strategy or lining up for the playoffs up to this point. That's good. I mean, it seems like that means they're focused on the season, and they don't really care about this whole load management as much as many as a bunch of other teams really are. They want to win games. They want to focus on the now and hopefully carry the momentum in the playoffs. It makes a lot of sense. And let's talk about tomorrow's game. Let's preview that one where the Clippers will play at OKC. You guys have been pretty good at home, 20 and 12 at home. You're facing the Clippers who have been red hot since, like I said, they've all been healthy. 
destroying Memphis and then beating Phoenix and then Denver and then Philadelphia. And it's been weird with that game yesterday. It seemed like Milton couldn't miss a shot, um, but the Clippers didn't end up winning that game. And for you guys, I mean, you got you had a winning streak end at the hands of uh, Giannis, which many teams have had that happen. Going into tomorrow's game, it seems like it really is anybody's ball game. I mean, the two games that have been played so far, the Clippers won 90-88, to 88, and then you guys won 118-112. to 112. What type of game do you think plays out tomorrow? Because you guys have been playing some high-scoring games, but at the same time, it seems like you want to try and limit the Clippers as much as possible because the offensive firepower you're going to see between Trez and Lou and Arjax off the bench and then plus the starters is going to be a lot to handle. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. To me, this is a really good barometer game for Oklahoma City just because the Thunder are going to be coming off of a couple days off after that game in Milwaukee the other night. And this Clippers team, when they met earlier this year, the Thunder have yet to play with Kawhi. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, that's a little bit of a dynamic that we've yet to see yet. And this is obviously a Clippers team that is that is added uh, around the margins. And I I will say this. I know that the the Thunder have found in a way their identities to who they are. They they are not a team that likes to get up and down the floor. They're a team that likes to run the half court offense and and really play stingy defense. Um, When I look at the Clippers, I look at a you know a deadly bench. I look at uh, a, a good sound defensive team when ba- Patrick Beverly is out on the floor. Uh, I look at a team that has a lot of depth, and I mean Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell running that pick and roll on a consistent basis is uh, is something that a lot of teams have a hard time slowing down right now in the NBA. But these are actually two of the better teams in the in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Thunder with the three guard lineup have the second best net rating in the NBA for a three-player lineup in the fourth quarter, and the Clippers have the first with Lou Williams, Kawhi, and Montrezl Harrell. So it's going to set up a a pretty fun matchup because, you know, the Thunder aren't going to be coming off a back-to-back. The the Clippers, I would assume, would play Kawhi. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it sets up a fun one. Two of the better teams in the Western Conference right now. And uh, two teams that are, you know, are, are playing pretty good basketball. And, and the Clippers obviously trying to get right going into the postseason. So uh, this will be a fun one. Curious if you think that those guys who were on the Clippers last year, Gallo and SGA, when you play the third game against a team already, you've already played twice before, do you think there's still that revenge factor? I mean, they, everyone talked about the revenge game that old players have. Do you think that still is a Come thing? On, Mark, what, what revenge is going on in the NBA now? Everybody's friends. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, they're all buddies, right? All the time on the broadcast. I mean, everybody's friends in the NBA now. This is not like '80s and '90s basketball, where, geez, Larry and Magic, they'd be they'd be going their separate directions in the summertime, thinking about who's working out more. Yeah, that's true. That that is true. They really are dapping at uh, at center court. And I think yesterday, I don't know if you saw this video. I think Zion gave his jersey to Javale McGee. After the game yesterday, I mean, of all people, Zion decided to give his jersey to McGee. That was an interesting one. I'd be asking for Zion's jersey too, man. If I, if I was playing him, I mean, he is he is so fun to watch. And if he was willing to, to give me his jersey, I'd sneak that thing too. Have you guys seen New Orleans and Zion? 
Well, we played we played New Orleans three times early in the season when he did not play. Okay, so you haven't seen him yet. And then we played him the game right before the All Star break, and he had come back. And boy, uh, I'll tell you, he is a dancing polar bear out there. Um, just so athletic, so much agility, unlike anything that I've seen in, in my lifetime. I mean, the league goes back much further than that, but for his size and he is much bigger than he appears on TV. When you watch him up close, he is a defensive tackle in an, on an NBA court. He is so big and you just can't stop him. Which players impressed you the most this year? From that rookie class? Not even the rookie class. You can include, you can do the rookie class. We can do it separate. Cause you've seen the one thing that's, that's great about having you on is that you've seen all these teams. So who do you think, from the rookie class, I guess you can say Jar or Zion. If you had to choose right now, who gets that rookie of the year nod? You know what? That's a <laughs> that's a good question because they're going to potentially be presented with this scenario. Mm-hmm. The, the Grizzlies came out really strongly, right? Yeah. Pushed up into that eight seed, but Memphis has the toughest schedule remaining in the NBA. Yeah, their schedule's hard. And they might not make the playoffs. But you know who might catch them? New Orleans. Because... They got Zion back and they got healthy. Mm-hmm. So you've got Ja, who had this incredible stretch for the first 50 games of the year. And we'll see what happens here for the last, you know, back nine. And then you got Zion, who missed a huge chunk. Probably had a good, solid supporting cast that kind of kept him in the mix. But Zion put him over the top maybe to get into the playoffs, but only played a fraction of the season compared to Ja. Who do you give it to? Yeah. Player that played the whole year but missed the playoffs, or the player that put their team over the top into the playoffs at the very end. I feel like it should be that should be co rookie of the year at that point because well, it, it's it's kind of a tricky scenario, right? Like some yeah. people have already made up their mind, but it, it's something that could happen. Oh, now, if Memphis course. makes the playoffs, I think obviously it's going to be a, a no doubter for for John Morant. But if New Orleans does catch the Grizzlies, which is very possible, led by Zion. I don't know. It's something to think about. Yeah, and then, I mean, you have to also think about how Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark, both gotten hurt. So that's been hurting Memphis a lot. I mean, once those two guys have gone down, they haven't been in the same team. So it, it's interesting. And then if I were to pose the MVP question to you, Giannis, you just saw him, or LeBron? Not even close. Okay. Giannis. Okay. Yeah. I mean, LeBron LeBron is <laughs> – Doing some amazing. I mean, that game against New Orleans the other night. I mean, he's, he's my age. He's two months younger than me, thirty-five years old, and you know he's playing like he's twenty-five, and that's a testament to him. I mean, that year off last year pretty much did him wonders. But I, I will say this, B. Mark, we saw Giannis last Friday in Milwaukee. You've seen him a couple times this year in a league that has the elite of the elite in terms of athleticism in terms of these uh, amazing, you know, bodies that are unlike anybody else's and these guys who've won the genetic lottery, he stands above them all. And when you look at him out on the floor, he looks different because he is just, he's, he's like a pretty body. He's 6'11 with a 7'3 wingspan and he just looks like he was cut out of stone. And when he gets out on the basketball floor, he just operates differently. And what they've done up in Milwaukee is really impressive. I mean, they're on a historic pace. They're on the fourth best uh, best pace in the history of the NBA, through at least through 59 games. So 
I I 100% give it to Giannis. Yeah, I think I agree with you. As good as LeBron has been, and really that is a two-player team with LeBron and AD, um, I think they kind of cancel each other out in a way. And even though Milwaukee still does well when Giannis is off the floor just because of Middleton and Bledsoe and Brooke Lopez and what all those DiVincenzo, what all those guys have brought to that team. I mean, Giannis is a, he's a different character. Uh, Chris, this has been an absolute blast. Appreciate you taking the time to chat. Hopefully uh, we get maybe a Thunder Clippers playoff series. We can have you on again, but this was – I love it. That was tremendous. I mean, that, that's, the whole conversation was great. Appreciate you coming on. And uh, I'm assuming – you're not much of a social media guy, are you? I know I don't think you're on Twitter, right? Uh, I have a Twitter account, but, uh, you know, I, I – I don't uh, engage with uh, loaded guns. So, okay, fair. That- uh, <laughs> um, I, I trust me. I'm on there, and I'm I'm definitely swimming around. But you won't you won't see me sending any shots uh, on my Twitter feed. But I I'm on there. Uh, I follow I follow a few people here and there. Um, but probably probably not the the best thing to to go search me on Twitter. Okay, so there you go. I was gonna say if you want to uh, maybe get. Maybe if you just promote you a little bit, but I guess the best way to promote you is to tell people to buy NBA League Pass and, yeah. uh, and watch the Thunder games. Because if you want to watch SGA and Gallo and CP3, go ahead, get NBA League Pass, watch the Thunder. They're a blast to watch. And Chris Fisher does a hell of a job as the TV voice of the OKC Thunder. Chris, thanks for joining us in the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Thanks a lot, Brandon. Take care, my man. Thanks for having me. Well, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Chris. A great look into the Clippers' past with SGA and Gallo and Chris Paul and how they are currently doing with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Thought that was a fun conversation. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at BDMarcus. You can follow the Hoopball Clippers podcast on Twitter at HoopballClips. That is the handle. Every time we release a podcast, it is posted there. Hopefully get one towards you to the end of the week. We'll see what happens with the Clippers' schedule. And, of course, i got to make sure things can go right on my end as well. But aim to have one more podcast at the end of the week. A big thanks to Chris. Until next time, I'm Brandon Marcus saying so long. This has been the Hoopball Clippers podcast. And we'll talk to you next time. And go Clips! This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.